Welcome to the Portage Health Foundation podcast. My name is Michael Babcock. I am your host for this podcast here at the Portage Health Foundation located in Hancock, Michigan. Um, we are a nonprofit uh, health foundation focused on improving the health of our community here, including Barraga, Houghton, Keweenaw, and Onsdagen counties up in the uh, beautiful Upper Peninsula of Michigan. Um, thank you so much for listening to the podcast here. We've done, um, this is about our 15th podcast of the year, which has been really fun. The 2021 was a really nice year for the podcast, and I'm looking forward to what we're going to do in 2022. Um, hopefully, with some additional help for me, that's going to make this a little bit more regular podcast, maybe even a little bit higher quality um, <clears throat> as we move forward. So today we are here. We have Kurt Webb from the Keweenaw Co-op. He is the general manager of the co-op, which is currently located um, in Hancock here. Um, kind of off to the, what's interesting thing is, is Kurt, you can jump in on this. What's the best way to tell people how to get to the Q&A Club? Uh, well, we're on Ethel Avenue, but I always say it's up the hill from Santori's Corner because you you can turn both directions on Ethel, obviously. And uh, yeah, that, but it's it's not easy. Look and, for the sign. <laughs> right. And that's part of the whole conversation we're going to have. We'll dive into the location that you guys are currently at and where you guys are Maybe we'll get moving to. We'll also talk about Double Up Food Bucks, which if you've been following the foundation is something we um, have helped out with the uh, Calumet Farmers Market. They are something, uh, a farmers market that accepts Double Up Food Bucks. And we're hoping next summer to have um, the Hancock Market also offer Double Up Food Bucks. And then we'll finish up talking about the local food system as a whole. Um, before we dive into any of that, I want to let you know that if you're interested in the conversation around food in the Michigan's Copper Country, um, I urge you to go to check out the Portage Health Foundation's Food Initiative website. It's phfgive.org slash food. Um, while there, um, there's a whole bunch of really cool things we're working on. Um, but what I would like you to do just to make sure you don't miss things that go on is subscribe to our um, our quarterly email newsletter we send out that's um, focused on the food initiative and, and food as a, as a system whole, as a whole in the Copper Country. Um, again, phfgive.org slash food for that. Um, and now, without further ado, we'll get on to the podcast here. And, and I'd like Kurt to Kurt introduce yourself. Kurt, tell us where you're from um, and how long you've been involved with the co-op. Sure. Um, I'm originally from northern Indiana, a little town called Shipshawana. Um, I'm slowly making my way around Lake Michigan. I spent a decade in the Twin Cities, and that's where I kind of ran into food co-ops and started working in. Uh, I moved up here in 2001, so we're in, uh, I guess this is year 20. And um, I've been at the co-op for a good part of that time. I hired on actually in the produce department, managed that for a little over a year, um, left for just a short little stint and then uh, returned in my current position. So it's been uh, it's been fun uh, how watching the co-op evolve and grow and uh, being part of uh, growing the local food system for sure. Excellent. And um, so many of you might know Kurt from just seeing you around town riding your bike. Um, tell us about your biking situation, because I know you got some bikes that you're passionate about. I do. I can say, though, that um, since, I, I mean, really, I think it was kind of at the start of the pandemic, things got a little crazy in terms of work and staffing and all that, and my time became limited. And now moving into working on a relocation project, which we'll talk about, my time has also been limited. So my commute um, by car is 15 or 20 minutes and by bike is an hour or a little more. And um, I've been struggling to carve out that time these days, but I still love to get out there and do it. Um, there were years when I would ride every day that was reasonable, whether that was winter or summer or anything else. And um, yeah, it's been fun. And, and we, we've spent a lot of time kind of working with bike advocacy at that time too. And I think since then, a lot of good things have happened in terms of infrastructure and um, 
just seeing more people out there on bikes. Yeah, and we have some tough hills in our community, but um, it's certainly doable. And and I think it's, as you said, there's some things you guys worked on years ago, and there's some things that our um, county commissioners even, I heard uh, recently on the um, Copper Country Day podcast, talk about a, a non-motorized trail um, that they're working on that would connect uh, a large portions of, um, you know, Torch Lake area with Hancock, which would be pretty cool. So there's always stuff going on with biking, but we are on food right now. So Kurt, I want you to give everybody a little bit of vision. Um, you know, the Kiwana Co-op has been located where it's been located for quite a while now. And um, as we talked about, it's a little bit inconvenient. I, I happen to live right by the co-op, so it's super convenient for me. But I know for a lot of others, it's not. Um, talk about the vision that you and the board and, and your employees at the co-op have for what the future of, of your uh, business might look like. Sure. Yeah. So, we, yeah, we've been in this store where we are since 1987, although the co-op's been around since 73. So we're basically... Um, hoping that we celebrate our 50th birthday in a new location. Uh, what we were looking for, I mean, obviously space is one issue. We're, we're pretty crowded. We're bursting at the seams now. We only have two registers. There's a lot of limits to our current space. Parking, huge limitation. And then uh, both Santori's Corner and uh, just kind of making your way off of the main drag is another challenge that we're up against. Um, we don't have visibility. If you know where we are, you can find us. If you don't, um, you need to be looking pretty hard. So um, we were looking for solving for all of those things, being um, both on a major thoroughfare, being visible, having easy access, uh, both by foot, by bike, by car, plenty of parking, plenty of room to expand our services and offerings, and um, actually a way to work a little more conventionally too, because Currently, we don't have a loading dock in this store, so we, we work off of pallets in the parking lot, which midwinter is a challenge. Um, things like that where it's not the most efficient place to shop or to work, and um, we want to just solve for all of those in a, in a modern facility that is bright and welcoming and um, expand our reach to the whole community. Yeah, so that's something you guys have been talking about for quite a while, um, and it sounds like over the last year, um, real progress has been made. Ta tell us about where you guys are, are kind of, uh, you know, laying your work now. Sure. So we have um, we have a purchase agreement on uh, property in downtown Hancock, 612 Quin Quincy Street. Um, most recently, Kiwana Uick Chevrolet, formerly Bruno's, uh, which a lot of people would probably remember because it was that for a lot, a lot of years. Um, so, it, you know, former car lot, obviously not a former grocery store. The good part of that is lots of parking spots, um, but the project will require um, definitely a fair bit of retrofitting and an expansion of the footprint to get what we need. So we're in the planning stages right now doing our due diligence work, um, both in terms of the site and, um, you know, various environmental things that are required, checking all those things out. Also working on the financing end of things, working on the floor plan and um, schematic drawing phase. And from there we do costing, pull all that together. And um, so our hope is that we are, um, as all of these pieces come together, that we're actually starting construction um, late spring or into the summer of 2022. And we figure that is a nine to 12 month process. And so 
looking at sometime in 2023, hopefully in that first quarter, but um, it's a little too far out to put a solid pin in that uh, calendar, but um, that's what we're looking at for an opening, 2023. Again, it's our 50th birthday, so that's how we want to celebrate. Yeah, what an amazing way to celebrate. And um, I personally, that building has been near and dear to me. My uncle um, owned it for quite a while and was, has been part of his family forever. So it was, it was something that we spent a lot of time there. And it's a, it's a great spot um, being right downtown. And, and it should really add to the feel of downtown Hancock. What? Tell me about some of the strengths from your guys' perspective about it that made you guys really excited about it and, and has continued to push you through um, as, as the stress has added on. Sure. Well, so, you know, there's there's. I would say two main thoroughfares in Hancock, the, the Quincy and Hancock Street one ways. Um, and most people going north, unless they've they've turned uh, right after the bridge there and taken the low road, are going to be going past that site. So that that is a major strength there. Um, you know, we're not we're access to the actual retail part of it will be on Quincy Street, but really, if you're if you're on Hancock, it's an easy come around the block and into the parking lot. Um, I think the visibility is is quite good from both of those streets, so that's a plus. Um, one wish list item that's been on uh, planning for the co-op, and whenever we've talked about this for decades, really, or at least since I've been here, which I guess is coming up on decades, um, has been sit-down deli space. People just really want that kind of place to beyond just standing in the aisles to talk, but to sit down and have some coffee and continue that conversation. And uh, the old showroom there, when you go inside of there and imagine that as kind of that kind of a space, it just, it feels so right. It's right on the street, people walking by on the sidewalk. Um, it just really kind of has a good downtown feel to it. So we're excited about that. Um, you know, we, we're, we're closer to the bridge. We didn't cross the bridge, which I know that was on some people's wish list. Uh, we looked at both sides of the both sides of the bridge. It's hard to find somewhere that has enough flat space to be able to do what we want to do in a downtown. And we really wanted to also stay more in the down one of the downtown areas if we could, being able to be more walkable and to serve the people in those instead of moving out to the outskirts where there is a lot of room and a lot of flat space. So yeah, it just, as we've been looking, um, it was hard to find something that checked as many boxes as this site did for what we wanna do. That's that's excellent. I'm, I'm really looking forward to getting down into that deli area. That'll be really neat for our community. Um, and like you said, that downtown feel, it's it's nice to be by where the people are and and you guys will be able to do that, which is, is really exciting. Uh, next thing I want to talk to you about is is this Double Up Food Bucks. And uh, one thing that I, I'm not going to forget to talk about because I see the pin on your shirt, the Double Up Food Bucks right. pin. Um, <laughs> is that something that employees wear quite a bit? You know, we, when we first rolled out the campaign, we did a lot. Um, I think some do occasionally, but not all the time now. But um, yeah, I just I saw it on my bulletin board before this call and I thought I'd put it on today. So. I love it. Well, tell us about what that what that program is from your perspective. Sure. So um, Double Up Food Bucks is, uh, is a healthy food incentive program that uh, incentivizes buying fresh fruits and vegetables for um, um, food access program recipients. So in Michigan, the bridge card, 
but in general EBT card users. Um, if you purchase fresh fruits and vegetables with an EBT card, you receive uh, credit for an equal dollar amount uh, that can be applied to the purchase of more fresh fruits and vegetables. So it's a dollar for dollar exchange. And um, actually during the pandemic, uh, the limits on that, there used to be a $20 limit per day in terms of how much you could credit you could earn. They raised that during the pandemic because people were shopping less and doing bigger shops and they just wanted to keep the accessibility going. We're now coming to the point where uh, the start of 2022, uh, where are we here? 2022, <laughs> uh, coming here at the end of the year, um, that that limit will be reinstated. But um, so still $20 a day, um, you can end up with $40 worth of fresh fruits and veggies. So it's a pretty great program. Yeah. And if you want to learn more about that, doubleupfoodbucks.org is the website to go to. Um, and, and one of the reasons we wanted to talk about this and one of the reasons we waited until now too, I know Kurt and um, I've been talking with Todd about to kind of schedule this podcast is we wanted to wait until after the farmer's market season. Um, not because you guys are competing with them, but because I, I think it's a good reminder to people that this opportunity is available more than just during the farmer's market season, because you guys, you can do what you're going to do there all year. And what, is there any requirements on what kind of food they can, or what kind of fruits and veggies they can get or anything like that? There are not, you know, the, the program started, um, Actually, it's now moving nationwide. I think there are 28 plus states that have that kind of program, but it started in Michigan and it started at farmer's markets in Detroit actually was, and that model then was expanded to farmer's markets throughout the state. And then I think probably five, eight years after that, they moved into grocery stores and more and more stores are now joining. Um, so we're excited to be doing it here in the UP. Market Co-op is a participant as well. Um, there may be another store or two in the UP, but there are very few, few retail outlets that are doing it. So we're excited to be able to offer it. Um, you're correct. Farmers markets have been doing it for a lot longer and those are available, but it's, there's obviously a season to when you can use that card. Um, one of the things that the Fair Food Network, um, who administers this program in Michigan, wanted to do was also basically encourage local agriculture. And so they, obviously at the farmer's market, you're using it for local produce. They tried to figure out if we're moving this into stores, how can we continue um, to kind of still incur uh, support local agriculture through the program? So during the growing season, which works downstate, it's a little tougher up here, but from July through November, we commit to purchasing at least 20% of our produce from Michigan sources. So all of our local growers and anyone else across the UP and downstate. And so that, that is a requirement for us to be in the program. And it's a requirement that we manage to meet easily through the summer again in um, October and definitely in November, it starts to become tougher. Part of the challenge for us is that a lot of our supply chains, even regionally, are coming from Wisconsin and Minnesota. So it may be produce that's grown closer than something grown in downstate Michigan, but it doesn't technically count for the program. We're working on getting more um, downstate Michigan trucks coming this way, but it's just, there's a lot fewer supply lines that are running in that direction than the other. So 
Did I answer our question, Michael? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you did definitely. Um, that, what? So that just kind of, and, and I don't feel like you need to have an answer here, but um, you know, hearing at least twenty percent and you saying you meet that easily. What kind of what kind of numbers do you look at during the summer season when when the growing is a lot easier um, in the UP and in Northern Michigan as a whole? Yeah, you know, in peak in peak season, I would say that um, we have. I don't, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but we, you know, I know that we probably 25 to 30% on in the peak months of the produce that we're offering is purchased from Michigan. And then if we start to expand the circle into Wisconsin and Minnesota, we have a lot of opportunities there through a cooperative distributor out of Minneapolis that um, we work with. And so, really other than things like bananas and some of the other staple items that don't grow in any of our regional areas um, we're able to source almost all the other things our root vegetables our greens lots of other fruit apples and that kind of thing so yeah it really it really is uh, exciting around here to see all the fresh things that are coming within at least a three-state area on our shelves awesome and what kind of usage do you see from the double up food bucks as a whole is that do you see a lot of customers come in and, and utilize that program? Yeah, you know, more and more. And uh, part of our reporting requires um, kind of talking about how many distinct users we have and that kind of stuff. We recently have kind of converted the program from a, a coupon to uh, more a program that our point of sale system manages for us. It's kind of set up like a loyalty program, but it's specifically for Double Up Food Bucks. So within that program, we can get a lot more accurate numbers about how many people are using this, how many individual different people are using it. Um, and that number has been growing, but um, give me one second here. I'm gonna peek at- yeah. um, And I'll just mention too, that new point of sale system you guys have seems like it's made a big difference in terms of the, the operations making it a lot easier for you guys to get in and out. I imagine that was a big investment by you guys to do that. Yeah, you know, we, I mean, one thing they say, if you're going to change your point of sale system, don't do it at the same time you move your store. And so we wanted to get it done before relocation and at least understand the system, get everything working so that we were, we weren't both learning that and how to operate in a new space at the same time. So that was one of the drivers of the timing. But yeah, it definitely, I think for the customer facing part of it, it's a lot more efficient um, in almost all realms. And um, there's lots of other things that it will do for us as we kind of bring other programs online over time. So we are excited about that. So um, just, just for an example here, um, it, we had uh, in the month of November, uh, 340 EBT transactions, um, 120 of those used um, double up food bucks. So not everyone is participating actively in the program, or maybe they're not buying produce every time, but that number, both of those numbers have been growing over time since we've been using the program. And of that in November, we had 62 unique customers, although I know there are actually more folks that are participating in the program, but just apparently not everyone shopped in November. So month over month, we were seeing definitely a steady increase in those numbers. And um, the reaction has been great. I mean, people really love the program and um, are excited to be able to actually get 
fresh quality organic produce and local produce for um, for such a reasonable rate when applying the double up food bucks. Awesome. Well, again, if you're interested in learning more about how you can get involved with Double Up Food Bucks, um, go to doubleupfoodbucks.org. Um, there's information on literally how to sign up um, and, and, and even how to spread the word about it, because there are, you know, if you know people that are taking advantage of these kind of sort of these opportunities um, as a whole, they might not know that Double Up Food Bucks exists. And, and also they may not realize that the farmer or that Kiona Co-op is somewhere where you can use that even in the winter um, and get, um, you know, amazing fresh produce whenever you need it. Um, and, and so, Kurt, I want to finish up by talking about local food system as a whole. That's something that the Portage Health Foundation is very passionate about. Um, we have uh, made, a, made a valiant effort over the last couple of years to, to do more and more to help grow that. And we have hopes of doing a lot more with it. So I'm hoping for you to give me just a look at, from your perspective, what our local food system looks like now and, and maybe when you, you know, started in our community 20 years ago, what it looked like then. Yeah, well, it's, um, it's definitely growing. Although I think that over the last 20 years, it there was there were a number of folks who had been at it for a while that were starting to retire, and so there was I would say I don't know if it was worry exactly, but there were some questions exactly you know what's going to happen as these people kind of take themselves out of out of the local food growing uh, system, and uh, but fortunately there have been more folks coming along, young folks and otherwise that are kind of seeing the opportunity and starting up. And so I feel like those gaps that were left by retiring farmers have been filled in and we're exceeding that now. That said, um, demand definitely outpaces supply. We can, we could, we could sell more um, local produce definitely. And especially if there are ways to extend the season, there's all sorts of opportunities to really kind of bring more in. Um, you know, things kind of come grinding to a halt uh, around here when, uh, you know, after the first couple of hard frosts and once the snow starts flying. But, um, and that's a challenge, definitely. Extending a season where the days get so short is not a simple thing to do or necessarily a cheap thing to do, but, um, yeah, those are opportunities that we definitely see. Um, we, yeah, we love being, you know, we are definitely big supporters of the farmers markets and love seeing them thrive and seeing more and more of them uh, springing up in our towns around the community and in the Keweenaw here. But um, we like definitely also to be able to have those same farmers represented on our shelves. So the days you can't talk to them directly at the farmers market, you can still come get their produce and, uh, and carried out the door and, and we've been you know we've been building these relationships over the years and um definitely we have people that specialize in certain things and and others that are far more broad in terms of what they do but um we try to have a conversation anytime now really as farmers are starting to uh, plan their upcoming seasons before they're doing seed orders and that kind of thing to kind of know okay well what do we think we're going to be able to do here and let's have some conversations about what we what we need, where we fell short this year, what was in abundance, and that kind of thing. And so, um, yeah, we love um, having those conversations. Andy in our produce department would be the person to talk to, um, and can kind of give you details on what we're looking for in terms of local local producers. Excellent. And um, 
you guys did a bunch of stuff on your social media too that I just want to give a shout out to. If you go on there, you can find some farm tours you guys did over the last couple of years. Those are really fun. Um, what what kind of, um, just as a, an idea, do you have any idea on like how many farmers you've worked with or what kind of, uh, what, what kind of things people can expect to find from local uh, production? Um, what, like one of the ones specifically, do you guys work with the people that do mushrooms? Is that one? Uh, we do a couple of different local mushroom growers. Um, Superior Mycology, uh, we have been working with since they got started. And then uh, Metza Hill Farm, which I have to uh, <laughs> admit that I'm part of, but um, my wife and I have a, a small outdoor mushroom growing operation. And um, we primarily operate as a CSA, but we also have an abundance. And so when there's an opportunity to uh, and need at the co-op for additional mushrooms, we're able to fill that. We also work with some local restaurants there. So um, yeah, that's that's one place where definitely 20 years ago, nobody locally was growing mushrooms, uh, at least not at the scale that they could do for retail. There was a place, uh, Seeds and Spores, who still exists over in uh, Marquette, um, and they do a lot of different things on their farm. But occasionally, we would get mushrooms for them from them back in the early 2000s. But um, I think that was another place where their demand really, they didn't need to come to the Keweenaw to sell their mushrooms anymore. So um, it's been fun to be able to fill that need both at my farm and it's great what uh, Superior Mycology is doing as well. Excellent. Any, uh, any of the meat producers provide anything for you guys at all? You know, meat's a challenge um, because anything we sell has to be processed through a USDA certified processor. And so that, there's one of those in the UP at this point. I think there's another big opportunity. Anybody wants to <laughs> start that kind of thing up here it would be wonderful. But um, so we, yeah, we haven't um, we haven't been able to expand that a lot. Although we do, we definitely have worked with some local producers over the years. But we don't have a real steady supply at this point. Uh, and same with fish. Is that kind of the same idea? Yeah, that's a little bit different though. Um, so we do work with. Um, now I'm trying, they just changed their name in the last six months or a year, uh, was Apostle Islands and now they're based out of Calumet, Keweenaw. I, I can't think what they changed their name to. I apologize. Yeah. Apologize yeah. to them. I should know. But anyway, so yeah, we can, we work with them. Um, you know, back in the day, we worked quite a bit with Peterson's actually as well. And um, so, yeah, there's, there's a lot of opportunities though to kind of, fill out the need because again the demand is there people are aware and that's great people are kind of want to know where their food's coming from and um you know i feel like while we don't necessarily have a, a large certified organic i mean we have very few actually of the food up here is certified organic but knowing your farmer and kind of knowing what their processes are um you know it can still be organically grown uh, although technically not because it's not certified, we can't call it that, but um, having those relationships and kind of understanding the process really is what it's all about. And for the consumer to be able to go to that farm, and that's why we did the farm tours, you know, get people out there to check out and see what's actually happening and, and you know, inspect it yourself. You know, are you happy with these conditions that you're buying your food from? So, yeah. Excellent. Well, Kurt, I think we're going to uh, end the podcast here, but I do hope 
that once you guys are, um, you know, in that new location, so, uh, you know, a little more than a year from now, right, 2020, early 2023, somewhere around there, hopefully we can have you back on and we can talk about um, what, what the new location is like. And uh, more importantly, what, what, what it's meant to our food system. Um, you know, we, we, set, we kind of set a stage here for where we're at at this point, um, comparing it to previous years. And hopefully in a couple of years when we have you back on, um, we'll even have more progress to talk about with, with local food system uh, growth, because that's, again, something the foundation is very passionate about. Um, you can follow us, phfgive.org slash food. There's an email newsletter to sign up for, um, and we post all kinds of stuff there as it happens. Um, Kurt, where can people go to find out more about the Q&A Co-op? Sure, www.qna.coop. That's .coop, and that's it. Excellent. You guys have a beautiful website that was just redone a couple of years ago. It's really good. Um, and while you're there, you can also subscribe to receive their emails, um, which come out on a regular basis, but which offer specials and good recipes. And, and next time they're doing farm tours next summer, you won't miss out on that either. So thanks again, Kurt, for coming on. And um, thank you again for listening to PHF Podcast. We'll catch you next episode.